Hello, welcome to the podcast of Grace Fellowship Church Shrewsbury. We meet every Sunday at 9 and 11 a.m. in Southern York County, Pennsylvania. You can join our morning live stream on Facebook or YouTube. Just search for GFC Shrewsbury. You can find more information about us at gfcshrewsbury.org. We are so excited to bring you this message today, and it is our hope that you will come to know and believe Jesus Christ more fully through it. As we've come together in the name of Jesus, we know with assurance and full confidence that he is present among us. And as we lift up the name of Jesus, and as we set our eyes and our hearts and our gaze upon him, he draws us into his presence in a way that we can sense him, and that we can almost literally touch him. And it's not that we would just have an experience. That's, this experience is so important that we, that we do together lift up the name of Jesus, and as we focus on him, as we give ourselves a fresh name, the experience is so important. And what he desires is that as we experience his presence, as we get our eyes fixed on him, that we continue to walk and to live in the light of his presence. You know, so as we've sung these songs this morning, and each song there was just, I don't know about you, but there was just, there were things just welling up within my spirit. That's the spirit of God. And he wants to bring to our remembrance when we start to forget who he is and how good he is and how present he is. He wants to bring to our remembrance these moments and these truths, these experiences that then we carry him into wherever we are, into every place in our lives. He is faithful. He is just, and I don't know, and even online, I, I, we're so thankful that you've joined us and we trust that you're experiencing the presence of God. We trust that you are joining with us in worship. And God is just leading us to a lifestyle of worship. That in all that we say, in all that we do, that we are adoring him, that we are declaring that he and he alone is worthy. So uh, let's continue. Let's continue keeping him centered, keeping him focused in in our focus and lifting up his name. Um, Waymaker, as we were singing that, It really drew me to this first uh, opportunity that I have to share with you. And that is concerning Christmas offering that's coming up. Now, I want to rewind a year. And it was 12 months ago that we introduced uh, a Christmas offering to the body. And it was New Life Christmas offering. And uh, God had laid it on the hearts of the elders that we should set a goal of $25,000 to give to two New Life ministries. Uh, one the local ministry here in Glenrock, the New Life for Women and Children, and they were in need of a driveway, and we were trusting God to provide funds through us for that driveway, and then also uh, New Life Children's Home, an orphanage in Guatemala that we've had uh, connection with for many years uh, in order for them to be able to purchase solar panels. Well, through you, God laying on your heart to be generous and to give more and to love all, uh, the goal was $25,000, and I don't know if you remember or not, but over $60,000 was raised last year. Yes, celebrate the work of the Lord through you. So this year, we're introducing the Christmas offering that we've, uh, as elders, have felt led uh, to receive on behalf of three ministries. And I'm going to tell you right now, I see, uh, you see at the bottom, it's like the goal is $30,000, and it's like, well, why did you only pledge $30,000 when we gave sixty dollars last year? Here's the thing is that this is what we felt 
on, heart, on our hearts that God would lead us to, to set as a goal. Because one thing that we always, we say this over and over again, we never want people to give out of compulsion or feeling pressured, but out of the joy that God has placed in their hearts, the generosity that God places within us. God loves a cheerful giver. So we're not pushing towards compulsion or pressure. We're inviting to worship. So the goal this year is $30,000 and it will be to support three ministries. And these three ministries are partner ministries of grace. So we walk with them and we support them uh, year after year. And these three ministries are In Him Christian Wellness, Young Life, and First Fruits Farm. So we're going to be uh, sharing in the next three weeks. We're going to be giving you some more uh, information about these ministries. And, uh, and then we're going to begin receiving this offering the, week before, the Sunday before Christmas, December 19th. And then we'll be receiving all that, that offering. And this is above and beyond your regular giving as far as your tithe and offering. This is just what God lays on your heart to give in addition to the giving more to love all. Uh, so in Him Christian Wellness, uh, many of you have had an opportunity to tour uh, the new counseling suite that's just down, uh, down the way here in the, in the shopping center. And, um, and it's beautiful what's happening because those offices are being used for the past three weeks. They've all, they're already in use. God's doing amazing things. And, and we believe that God's calling us to help build uh, funds in order to supplement counseling for people and care for people that can't afford to pay the, the, the amount that, that, is, that is there. So, um, so anyhow, so that's part of it, Him Christian, Christian Wellness. Young Life is a partner ministry, and you've uh, gotten to hear uh, Matthew Von Stein share a number of times, and Young Life is a team of adults that come alongside students and build relationships so that they can come to know Christ, and, and it's in these relationships that, that God moves powerfully. And one of the most significant things about Young Life is the way that God uses the camps. So the funds that, that are raised in this offering are going to go towards scholarship for the summer camps where many lives are turned over and, and surrendered to Jesus Christ. And we've heard testimony after testimony of that. And then the third is First Fruits Farm. And uh, many of you may not be familiar, but this is a ministry that we partner with. Uh, they're in Freeland, Maryland, and they literally give away millions of pounds of, of fresh produce uh, to food banks and homeless shelters and, um, and people that need food and don't have it. And it's all in the name of Jesus. Uh, I, I think, I believe this is accurate. A number I just heard this past week is that it, at First Fruits Farm this year, I believe they've have, had over 13,000 volunteers come in this year alone to help harvest. And this is all, it's sharing the gospel and many of these people aren't even Christ followers, but they get to hear the message of Christ and get to partner. So this is an opportunity for us to partner. Our goal is to be able to send at least $10,000 to each one of these ministries. So let's just begin praying now and say, God, what would you, what would you desire to do through me? And again, we'll be following up with this uh, as we go, go through the next few weeks before Christmas. And then secondly, I'd like to uh, just point quickly to uh, an email that was sent out yesterday. And that email was a body-wide email, and it was the elders' response uh, to workplace vaccine mandates. And we want to really encourage you to take time. It'll just take a minute or two to read it. And, um, and what this is, it's, it's a statement about where we feel God has led us as grace and how God is leading us to respond in, re in, in, uh, in regards to workplace vaccine mandates. Uh, bottom line, we'd like to just say this is whatever an individual feels compelled in their heart and how they feel God leading them to go in regards to the ma mandates, whether it's to receive the vaccine or to submit for a religious exemption, we support you. We're here for you. Uh, this is something that can be very divisive. And we're, we're setting ourselves very strongly and saying we will not allow this to be a division point, that we are here for all. So we want you to pray. Yes. Yeah. 
we want you to pray, we want you to study the word and follow the convictions that God places on your heart. And as a church, we support you. And if you are feeling led to submit for uh, religious exemption in regards to the mandate, then we will support you in that. And we've provided many letters and have come alongside of many individuals. So Grace is here for that. that If you consider Grace your home church, please approach us. In the email, there's there's, uh, an email address, and uh, that'll allow you to get in touch with us, and we can uh, do everything that we can to support you. If you did not receive that body-wide email, um, we want you to know that that means you're not on the body-wide email list, <laughs> okay? So, uh, but you can be. So what you can do is if you stop out at the, uh, the kiosk out in the lobby, uh, you can sign up so that you receive all the body-wide emails. Uh, and also out there are printed, uh, printed copies of what was sent out yesterday. So you can, uh, you can have that um, and reference that. So again, we're so thankful for how we can love and how we can serve together all in the name of Jesus. So now we get to move into, into today's teaching. It's Jesus's life in us. And I want to reference back to two weeks ago uh, when we were called to draw close to the death of our king, where we were called to, uh, to come alongside of, of, of his death and his declaration of the finished work of the cross and to literally handle and to touch the, the body of, of Christ after that crucifixion. And then last week, Pastor Ben shared such a powerful message as we were able to read about the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and the story that Christ was writing through the the resurrected life. So we were looking at the evidence of the resurrection. We were looking at, at the story of Mary and how Jesus had taken her from where she was to a new place and now he was inviting her even deeper into his story. It's now into the story of the resurrection. And Mary Magdalene became the one who who saw and heard and received and shared. And we were challenged to to look at our own story, look at where we were and where we are now, and to examine how it is Jesus, it is all Jesus who has made the difference in our lives. And to, to not just think about it, not just write it down, but be ready to share uh, so I don't know how many of you this, this past week have had opportunity to, to share your story with others. I want to give testimony because God opened an opportunity for me even before I left church last Sunday. It, it was miraculous. That's the only way I can explain it. It was to share my story with somebody who wasn't even here for the services. And I had the opportunity to share my story and how God had led me through a tragedy and how God had taken, taken me through a lot of pain and a lot of struggle. And through that, proved himself faithful and grew me and transformed my life. And I was able to share that with this person who was going through a very, very similar tragedy right now. And you know, the beautiful thing about it all is we both, we saw Jesus at the center of it all. You know, that, that this can only happen. We can only find these victories. We can only find this life transformation as, as we point to Jesus and as we look at the resurrection life of Jesus, and we receive the life that he so freely offers. So today, we're going to continue looking at Jesus's life in us. You know, there's a saying that you may have heard, and uh, hopefully you haven't heard it said to you, but you may have, get a life. <laughs> now, when you hear that statement, if somebody comes up to you and says, get a life, my guess is you're not feeling really encouraged, right? Right? Uh, it kind of says, you know, hey, I'm looking at where you're at and 
you call that life, you don't, you, that's no life at all. <laughs> Let me tell you this, is that Jesus is coming to us today, and say, instead of saying, get a life, he's saying, receive my life. Receive my life. And this invitation and this call and this statement is going out to all who will hear. Jesus is saying, receive my life into you. And we're going to be looking at three things as we go through this passage in receiving the life of Jesus. Uh, so if you take notes, you can uh, write these three things down and honestly, you can probably put your pen down and then just, just soak in. Uh, because as we go through the passage, it's gonna be so clear of, of three ways that I believe um, this, the scripture is showing us ways to receive the life of Jesus. To receive the life of Jesus in our fears. To receive the life of Jesus in our fears. To receive the life of Jesus in our daily living. To receive the life of Jesus in our daily living. And to receive the life of Jesus in our unbelief. To receive the life of Jesus in our unbelief. So God, we again, we have turned our hearts toward you and we turn our hearts to you right now in this moment. And we got, pray God that you would just help us to be sponges <laughs> to receive your word. God, to receive the truth that you're desiring to speak to each one of us. God, I confess, Lord, my desperate need of you. God, apart from you, I can do nothing. I can do nothing on my own, but God, I trust you. Lord, because in you and through you, all things are possible. So I pray, Lord, that you would lead my words. That what I would say would be from you. God, I pray that you would open each heart and each mind to hear your word directly spoken to each individual. For those that are gathered here on the hill and for those that are joining online, God, we pray, Lord, that your word would penetrate deeply into each one of our hearts. God, that we would allow your Holy Spirit to do what only Holy Spirit can do. And God, that you would lead us not just to revelation, we need revelation, but we pray that you would lead us to transformation. God, that we would be transformed more and more into the image of Christ, even this morning, even in this time together. So God, we simply say, God, come and have your way. God, do what you desire in and through us. And Lord, we purpose, we commit to give you the glory and the honor and the praise for you alone are worthy. We thank you, Lord, and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So what we're going to do, uh, today's passage is just 13 verses. And I'm going to read down through the entirety of this passage. It's uh, John chapter 20, uh, verses 19 through 31. We're going to read through the passage, and we're going to go back and then just section by section uh, look at it and see how God is speaking to us concerning receiving the life of Jesus in us. So beginning with verse 19. On the evening of that day, the first day of the week, the doors being locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, peace be with you. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. And Jesus said to them again, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so, I am sending you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. 
If you will forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you withhold forgiveness from any, it is withheld. Now, Thomas, one of the 12 called the twin, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. But he said to them, unless I see his hands and the mark of the nails and place my finger into the mark of the nails and place my hand into his side, I will never believe. Eight days later, his disciples were inside again and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, put your finger here and see my hands and put out your hand and place it in my side. Do not disbelieve, but believe. Thomas answered him, my Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Now Jesus did many signs in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book, but these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. So as we go back to verse 19 of this passage, we're going to look in these few couple verses about receiving the life of Jesus in our fears. The passage begins on that day, the first day of the week. Now, if you remember from the teaching, the first, first part of chapter 20, that day, the first day of the week, is the day that Mary went to the tomb and found that Jesus was not there. And Peter and John had raced there, and they saw, uh, saw that, that Jesus' body was not in the tomb. So this is the day of realization and declaration, okay, that Mary came back and, and, and said that, that the body is not there, that, you know, and, and also that she had seen him. She had seen him. She had heard him. She was declaring the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. So it's on that same day, that first day of the week, what does this passage say? The doors being locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, that Jesus came. Now, it is so easy for us to read these passages and saying, guys, why can't you get it? You've just heard declaration of the, of the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. You've just heard a report of conversation with the living Christ and of seeing him. And yet the disciples were behind locked doors for fear of the Jews. Now, as I said, let's be careful not to criticize these, these followers of Christ. They're still called disciples. They're still followers of Christ. But the circumstances that they were in were still brought tremendous fear. And it's, I think it's important that we, again, try to put ourselves into their sandals. That, that we place ourselves of all that had gone on because you know, they had seen what had happened to Jesus by the Jews. They had seen the beatings. I mean, they, they literally, you know, Jesus had dismissed them to protect them before the, the trials and the beatings started. And they had also offered, you know, Jesus, you're going to die, we're willing to die too. And the temperature in that place was still hostile against them. And they were fearful. Now, I want us to think about our society 
and things around us, whether it be in our culture, whether it be situations in our own lives, and how we have a propensity to fear. And there's, there's some good reasons for the fear. Don't please, you know, we need to be careful not to, to throw condemnation on ourselves. There, there are reasons in, in the natural to have fear in certain situations. You know, we can have fear for what is happening in our society as a whole. The moral degradation and the setting aside of principles and foundations that are key to our society. We can have concerns about health. We can have concerns about financial provision. We can have fear around what's happening in relationships around us. The disciples were there with closed doors, locked doors for fear of the Jews. And we too can be in our lives right now with doors locked for fear of. That's part of life is dealing with fears. And God is not separate or removed from us when we are in fear. Because here we have in this passage that Jesus, Jesus enters exactly where they are. So again, on the evening of that day, the first day of the week, the doors being locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them. If you weren't fearful before, <laughs> can you imagine that? So I've been trying to picture this. I literally, I'm, I'm trying to put myself again in, in the place where they are. And in this place of fear, locked doors, concern for the Jews, and all of a sudden, boom, like literally, Jesus is there among them. So like right now, if in the next second, Jesus is standing right here, what would that do? Now, Jesus' first words were not, fear not. He wasn't telling them what not to be or what not to do. He was imparting peace. Shalom. Peace be with you. His first words to, to them as a resurrected Christ in that locked room were peace be with you. Jesus' life, what he desires, when he steps in, when we see him appear in the midst of our fears, in the midst of our circumstances, he desires that we hear these words, peace be with you. And he's gonna say it two more times in this passage. That, that very statement, peace be with you. And it's shalom, it's this completeness, it's, it's wholeness. In fact, one translation says this, that peace be with you means may God give you every good thing in the midst of fear. The resurrected Christ, the life of Jesus comes and says, may God give you every good thing. Now again, I'm, I'm trying to imagine what it was like to see Jesus in the flesh. And we will need to understand that, that in, in some of the other gospels it talks about like they were scared because when he first appeared they thought, this is a ghost. And Jesus was proving, he said, he said no, I'm, I'm flesh and blood. Like, and, and again, I don't understand this. How did flesh and blood just show up in the room? You know, but he's God. He's a resurrected Christ. And he appeared to them. And in Luke chapter 24, it even says, you know, he wanted to, to kind of set them at ease and say, hey, this is truly me, flesh and blood here, the resurrected Christ. He said, do you have anything to eat? 
They said, well, we have some broiled fish. Literally, the resurrected Christ ate some fish to show them that it was he. And he's saying, peace be with you. May God give you every good thing. And what did Jesus do? He showed them his hands and his side. He was proving that he was the one who died for their sin and is now resurrected from the grave, victorious. So right now, whatever fear you may be sitting in, whatever fear may be touching your life, Receive the life of Jesus in your fears. See the resurrected Christ standing before you and hear his mouth speak. Peace be with you. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And the resurrected Christ that rose from the dead 2,000 years ago is alive today. And he's speaking right now. And he is desiring for you to embrace the reality of who he is and hear his words, peace be with you. Let that peace and the security of the living Christ be yours at this moment. Embrace and receive him. Next, as we go on in this passage, I believe that God is calling us to receive the life of Jesus in our daily living. So in this visitation, he has said, peace be with you. And again, it says in verse 21, Jesus said to them again, peace be with you. And now he gives mission. He says this, as the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. As the Father has sent me, even so I'm sending you. And this is receiving Jesus' life in our daily living. Because when we think of how Jesus was sent, how was he sent? He was sent out by the Father on mission to do and to say everything that he saw the Father doing and saying. We've seen this throughout the gospel. That any word that Jesus uttered was what he had heard the Father say. Every action that he did, and, and often those actions, again, they didn't follow common sense. It's like, wait, 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 Jesus, this would be better to do. And Jesus said, no, I'm, I'm, doing, what, I'm doing what the Father told me to do. And now Jesus, as he imparts peace to the disciples, may God give you every good gift. He's saying this, as the Father has sent me, now I am sending you. Now go. Do what the Father's telling you to do. Now go, say what the Father's telling you to say. You know, and so many times we can think about this mission and we can think, well, that's for pastors and for missionaries and for, it's for all of us. It's as we are going, as we are going, we are being sent by God. You know, and so many times, and it's easy for us to do this, but, but we're caught up in the daily of living, right? We have things to do. We have jobs to work. We have households to take care of. We have things that need done. And, and the list can often be long and just overwhelming at times. 
But Jesus is saying, as the Father has sent me, I'm sending you. As you're going, as you're going, know that I am with you and that I'm desiring to speak to you and to speak through you and to allow your hands and your feet to take you where I desire for you to go. Now, in Jesus' life, when we read the Gospels, it often looks like his life is constantly filled with interruptions. He's going here and this happens. He's going there and this happens. Those, that was God fulfilling his plan. And I want to encourage you to, to, when you have your plan and there's an interruption, to pause and say, God, is this you? Because it's often that God speaks and he moves through the interruptions. It's often the things that happen on the way to where we're going that we have this opportunity to be sent as the Father has sent Jesus, that we too can be sent. But then what Jesus does next is just absolutely incredible because as I said, picture Jesus just appearing in the room. Imagine him standing there among them and imagine him saying these words. And, and he, he, says, he says this, as the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. And when he said this, he breathed on them and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. I'm literally holding my breath right now, just trying to take in this moment. Where Jesus breathes on them and says, receive the Holy Spirit. I, I don't know, I literally have been trying to imagine what that was like. How did Jesus breathe, you know? Like, I, I think of the breath mint commercials where you see like <laughs> you know, the breath going out or something, you know, I, I don't think it was like that at all, okay? But there was something where, where just the breath of God, he breathed on them and he said, receive the Holy Spirit. So he had sent them on mission and then he brings life to them so they can go on mission. He's not saying you go and you know, good luck. Literally what he's doing, think about this. So we think about the Holy Spirit as spirit, he is. But we also need to remember, Holy Spirit is person. Holy Spirit is person. He's, he's part of the triune God. And we can think of breath and think spirit, but understand, he's saying, receive the Holy Spirit. He's, he, he, he breathed and he said, now, Holy Spirit, person of God, dwell inside, receive the Holy Spirit, receive the person of the Holy Spirit within you. Now that word breath or the, the breathe, when you look at the, the Greek Old Testament, the translation, translation that's in Greek, it's the same Greek word that was used in Genesis. When God breathed into man, he was formed man from the dust of the earth and he breathed into man the breath of life, and man became a living being. It's that same breath that literally took from death to, from nothing into life. He breathed, and death came to life. Same word, and it's the same breath of God. It's the same word that's translated, breathe, from Ezekiel chapter 37, where the prophet had a vision of a valley of dry bones, and he's hearing from God, 
And, and he's called to, to prophesy. So let me, let me read this to you quickly. It's uh, Ezekiel chapter 37. And this is the prophet Ezekiel speaking. He said, the hand of the Lord was on me. And he brought me out by the spirit of the Lord and set me in the middle of a valley. It was full of bones. He led me back and forth among them. And I saw a great many bones on the floor of the valley, bones that were very dry. He asked me, son of man, can these bones live? And I said, sovereign Lord, you alone know. Then he said to me, prophesy to these bones and say to them, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. This is what the sovereign Lord says to these bones. I will make breath enter you and you will come to life. And I will attach tendons to you and make flesh come upon you and cover you with skin. And I will put my breath in you and you will come to life. Then you will know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded, and, I was, and as I was prophesying, there was a noise, a rattling sound, and the bones came together bone to bone, and I looked, and tendons and flesh appeared on them, and skin covered them, but there was no breath in them. Then he said to me, prophesy to the breath, prophesy, son of man, and say to it, this is what the sovereign Lord says, come, breath from the four winds and breathe into these slain that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me and breath entered them and they came to life and stood up to their feet, a vast army. This is the breath of God. It takes dry bones and creates an army, a vast army. And it, it's his breath Receive the breath of Jesus in your daily living. The breath of God that brings a Holy Spirit that to dwell within us. Now this is a breath of life. We're gonna see that this is, this is, it's different than, this is a different occurrence than what happens in Acts chapter two. That was a breath of power. You will receive power after the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And there's this baptism and, and the breath was the sound of a mighty rushing wind on the day of Pentecost. And it came upon the believers. They were empowered to be witnesses. And there was a, a, a bringing in of 3,000 souls that day. Now, we often look at Acts 2 as, as, the, as the birth of the church. But the reality is that I really believe that, that this, this in John chapter 20 is the birth of the church. That these, this is the first record that we have of disciples who are followers of Christ who have received now the life of the new covenant. So prior to that, they were followers of Christ, but, but they were still under the old covenant because Jesus, Jesus had not yet been given as the perfect lamb, the sacrifice for sin. But now that work was finished. Jesus was crucified, he was resurrected to life, and new covenant life is now available. And the disciples received the breath of God. Mm. He's still breathing, friends. And if you're in here today, if you're joining us online, and you have not received the life of Christ, let him breathe on you now. We were all dead in our sin, helpless, for we could not save ourselves. But Jesus Christ paid the penalty for our sin. He took upon himself the sin of the world and he died, he paid the payment for our sin. 
And this resurrected Christ is now offering life and life eternal to all who will believe. Receive the breath of Jesus this morning. For those of us that have already stepped into this life, it's nothing that we did. We don't deserve this, we can't earn it. It's the gift of God. And he is desiring to continue to breathe his life into dead places in our lives. So you may wanna just let the Holy Spirit just shine inside of you. In any dead place that's in your life, just invite the breath of God because he brings us from death to life. I don't know what that may look like to you. It can make it look a lot of different ways to us as we go on our journey. But there are things inside of us that we are to crucify the flesh, we are to, um, to take up our cross, we're to die with Christ. But sometimes there are things that die within us that God wants to bring life to. Sometimes pain, sometimes circumstances can kill things inside of us. And God's saying, let me breathe life. Let me breathe life. That life is eternal. That life is more powerful than anything on this earth. His, his life is for you. His life is for me. So Spirit of God, you know what we have need of. God, sometimes we're aware and sometimes we don't even really know but we just invite you right now to breathe afresh on us. Jesus, would you now breathe on my brothers and sisters? Would you now breathe life into those that do not yet know you? God, we pray and we believe for nothing short of the supernatural. If you can bring a valley of dry bones to life as a vast army, you can give life into the death that is inside of me. Thank you, Jesus, for your breath. Thank you for the gift of Holy Spirit. Thank you that the Holy Spirit, the person of the Holy Spirit, has been sent to live and to dwell in us let your life reign in us in this moment and in our daily living. Moment to moment, day by day. Let your life overwhelm, empower, guide, and undergird our lives for your namesake. Amen. So when Jesus says, receive the Holy Spirit, then he says, if you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. And if you withhold forgiveness from any, it is withheld. Now I've looked at this verse for years and struggled with what Jesus said. And I haven't figured it out yet, so we're gonna skip it and go to the next verse. So. Let me share with you where I'm at right now, okay? We know that only God can forgive sin, right? But he has entrusted us the message to us, the message of reconciliation. And the best interpretation I can find personally, if you have something better, I'll share, share it with me and I'll share it with second service. Um, but 
But he said, you know, if you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. And I believe that it's, it's saying that, that we are entrusted with this, with this message. So God forgives. God has provided for the forgiveness. I can't do that. You can't do that. We can forgive one another, but we can't take away their sin, right? But he's saying if you, if you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. It's if we will, will bring that message of forgiveness, we are given an opportunity for them to receive the forgiveness that God has already accomplished through the cross, and if we refuse to share that, if we withhold forgiveness from any, it's withheld. How are they going to receive if we don't tell them? So you go to, to Romans chapter 10, verse 14, it says, how then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? Jesus just sent saying, you preach, you let people hear, and then I can bring forgiveness. So faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. So God has entrusted to us this great privilege and great responsibility to be mouthpieces, to bring the forgiveness of God to people. And if we fail, how can they receive? If we fail to tell, how can, how can they believe if they have not heard? So I believe that God is again saying, you're sent. Be faithful in what you're being sent to do. Thirdly, we move to this next passage. We're called to receive the life of Jesus in our unbelief. Now Thomas, one of the 12 called the twin, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, same message that Mary had told the disciples, we have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see in his hands the mark of the nails and place my finger into the mark of the nails and place my hand into his side, I will never believe. Now, for whatever reason, Thomas wasn't there with the other 10, okay? We know that. Thomas was not present. It says that. We don't know why. Maybe he went out to Turkey Hill for a coffee. I don't know. But, um, but there's a chance that you know, we all grieve in different ways and there's a chance that Thomas may have withdrawn in solitude in his grief. We, we don't know that. But there is that possibility and want to encourage you that, that when you walk through grief in your life, don't do it in solitude. That we're called to come together as members of the body of Christ. We need one another. The other thing is, you think about this, this is, a, this is a good encouragement for you to make sure that you're in the company of believers on the Lord's day because you never know what's gonna happen. Thomas missed it, right? There wasn't a promise of, hey, put it on your calendar, make sure you're there the next time, Thomas. I mean, he missed it because he was missing fellowship. And we can miss encounters with Christ at times because we're not in fellowship. God calls us to fellowship, to come together, to encourage one another, to walk in this journey of faith together. But Thomas is actually often called Doubting Thomas. And that's a real understatement. And I'm not, I'm not throwing stones at the man because, we, like as I said, we need to put ourselves where they were. But the thing is, is that, that again, Thomas is, is uh, his name in Aramaic. Twin is actually uh, his name, I believe, in, in, in Greek. So Didymus is in another trans translation. They all mean twin, Okay. Thomas, Didymus, it all means twin. So I really wondered, like, so who is Thomas's twin? Means twin. 
And then I thought, look in the mirror, Mark. Maybe you're his twin. Because we can have unbelief in our lives. Now, as I said, it's not just doubting Thomas. This is like unbelief. Doubt is like, uh, I'm not sure, maybe, maybe not, right? No, do you hear what Thomas says here? I mean, it's, it's pretty strong. He's putting the mandate out. And he's saying, unless I see in his hands the mark of the nails and place my finger into the mark of the nails and place my hand into his side, I will never believe. Like, that's kind of like an underlined, bold, exclamation point statement. I will never believe unless Jesus shows up and reveals himself my way. Then I'm good. Have you ever done an ultimatum with God? That's kind of what, I think it's what it feels like here. Thomas is kind of like doing an ultimatum with God. I am not gonna believe this to be true even though my brothers have seen him and heard him, even though my sister Mary has seen him and heard him, I'm not going to believe unless God fulfills my requirements. And you know what Jesus does? He steps in. I mean, this is incredible. When we, when we get one in the passage, what, what Jesus' response to this, eight days later, his disciples were inside again, and Thomas was with him this time. Okay, he's, he's in fellowship in this moment. And although the doors were locked, fear's still there, to some measure, although the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them. And in Jesus' fashion, peace be with you. He shows up, locked doors. Thomas is with them. And he says, peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Thomas, I cannot believe that you made this ultimatum. I can't believe you're saying you will not believe unless, just for that, no see, no touch. <laughs> Okay, that's the way you and I may respond to Thomas if we were Jesus. Jesus says, Thomas? Thomas? Put your finger here. See my hands. Put out your hand and place it in my side. Do not disbelieve. Believe. Jesus meets us in our unbelief. Thanks be to God. You're struggling right now to believe. Maybe it's big picture. Maybe you're struggling to believe that God really loves you. Maybe you're struggling to believe that you haven't gone too far. Maybe it really feels like this time, God, I've come to you so many times, but I'm like a yo-yo. I keep going back to my old ways. I can't believe, Jesus, that you would still come to me. And Jesus, in Jesus' fashion, says, I'm here. He comes to us in our unbelief. We are so undeserving, and he is so good. He is so gracious. He is so merciful. He is so kind. And he invites us to see him, to reach out and touch him. And Thomas's response is absolutely, incredibly beautiful. My Lord and my God. 
in your unbelief, receive Jesus' life and declare and proclaim, my Lord and my God, there is none like you. You call me out. You show me your love. And you call me to stop my unbelief and to believe. It's that simple. It is that simple. Simply respond to the life of Jesus coming to you in in your unbelief. He is there. And then Jesus said to him, he uses this testimony. This is part of Thomas's story, right? Huge part. He uses Thomas's story and says this, have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Jesus declares a beatitude. It's a blessing. It's, it, it's the goodness of God beyond those who have not seen with their eyes and yet have believed. We are among those who have not seen with our eyes the resurrected Christ. There may be some that have had a revelation. God does that at times. But we are among those who have not seen with our eyes and yet believe. And Jesus is saying, y'all are blessed. Let's be humbly blessed. We don't believe because of, again, our goodness or anything great in us. We believe because God has imparted to us a gift of faith. God has given us a gift of faith that we would be able to trust him and to receive the truth of who he is and what he has accomplished. Blessed are you from the words and the mouth of Jesus. We are truly blessed. And we're gonna wrap up with these last two verses of chapter 20, where we've been pointing to this throughout our study. The purpose of this book is in these two verses. John the Apostle wrote this, now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. Jesus did many other things, many other signs that are not written in this book, but these are written with a purpose. These are written with a purpose that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. So we're looking at the resurrected Christ, the life of Jesus coming to his disciples. And John's saying, this life is for you that you would have life in his name. So Jesus, we know that he performed seven miraculous signs in John up through the raising of Lazarus from the dead in chapter 11. But yet even seeing those signs, chapter 12 says that they didn't believe, even seeing those signs, but there was one more sign that was yet to be revealed. And it was that death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. That as you hear Jesus' discourse as he's coming to the cross and as you see the way he's serving the disciples, the way he's willingly laying down his life, we're seeing the ultimate sign, Jesus' victory over sin, death, and the grave. And these are written that you would believe that he is the Christ, the Son of God, 
And that by believing, by having faith and putting your trust in this truth of who he is, you would have life. You would have eternal life. Have it to the full. Jesus' life in, in us is the only way that we find true life. And Jesus is inviting each of us to receive afresh his life. He's inviting us to receive his life in our fears, to receive his life in our day-to-day living, and to receive, accept his life even in the midst of our unbelief. The resurrected Christ is here, and he is desiring to touch each one of us afresh. Let him breathe on you. So I'm going to um, give us uh, some things to do through this week, and then we're just gonna go into a time of just receiving of the life of Jesus. But this week, I would encourage you to take some time and just sit with the Lord and see what places in your life just need that greater touch from Jesus. We all have them. There are things in our lives that, that like I said, sometimes we, we, we're well aware and we know that there's this one part that I'm just not letting Jesus touch. Receive him there. Let his life reach in and touch you in that place. And then pray for eyes to see dead places around you. Pray that God will show you where he is calling you to bring the life of Jesus. And then share his life in those places. Friends, we don't have to look far. but we need his presence to overcome our fears. We need his presence to help us to walk this gospel out and to overcome our unbelief so that we can share this life of Christ with others. And then we're going to continue as we see the resurrected Christ walking with the disciples. We're gonna continue next week in John chapter 21. So I wanna encourage you to read the first half of that chapter in preparation for next Sunday. But right now, I just want to invite you to a little more time with him. And in light of the word, in light of what the Holy Spirit has spoken to you, I want to invite you to just let him breathe on you. Receive his life afresh right now in this time. Allow his life to become your life in a deeper way. We hope you enjoyed this message. You can find more like it on our website under sermons. To keep up to date with our sermon series, hit the subscribe button in your podcast host and follow our social media pages. Just search for GFC Shrewsbury on the platform of your choice. If you're looking to connect with us further, then you can email us at connect at gfcshrewsbury.org. We will be back next week with another message. We hope to see you again soon.